Ham. Hey, welcome back. I just meant Trista Justice mentioned me in a comment. Um, thanks for a 191k. Good for you. You have good taste. Okay. Wow, parents silences Republican crowd during school board hearing in deep red county 14 minutes ago. Not want random people with no education background or experience determining what books my child can read. <laughs> Just because you can get up at every meeting and rant and rave does not give you authority over my child's education. The speaker speaking about what great Christians they are. Great. Go tell your pastor. Our <laughs> schools are not your church. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if that's not a t-shirt slogan, then I don't know what else. There's a reason this video of Adrian Martin, a parent and Democratic chair of a predominantly red Texas county, aptly titled Move County, is going viral. See, after being forced to sit through the rants and ravings of God-fearing parents citing religion as their justification for book banning because where have I heard that before? She used her time to get some things off of her chest. Wonder if uh, Tucson's doing any book banning. Or experience determining what books my child can read, what curriculum they learn, and what clubs they can join. Just because you can get up at every meeting and rant and rave does not give you authority over my child's education. Your personal religious beliefs, people in this room and on this board, should not be affecting my child's education either. Our schools are not to be used for personal political agendas, and yeah. our children are here for education not religious indoctrination. I implore the board to put an end to trying to appease these extremists, focus on retaining staff, providing excellent public education, and a safe and welcoming learning space for all students. The speaker speaking about what great Christians they are, great. Go tell your pastor. Our schools are not your church. Thank you. If you're like me, you're wondering, well, who are these parents she's referring to? I've done a little research, and here's a snippet of one of those parents who filed criminal charges against school librarians in Granbury, Texas, speaking at a school board meeting last year where she calls on the district to repent and then proposes appointing a local pastor to vet all school library books moving forward because, of course... Do you have people who are supposed to be gatekeepers for children and for student libraries who are handing it to them and purchasing it with our dollars. So, repentance is the word that's on my heart. Um, Pastor Miller Carden cannot be here tonight. What she wanted was to plead for communication from you to us so we understand what you're doing and what you're thinking. And also, I know the new policy may have more librarians and independent school district employees on those committees and I feel like that's already headed in the wrong direction to have too many of them. I think you ought to have people of good moral standards, people in the community that maybe even are voted on, uh, pastors like Paul Duncan, he would never steer you wrong and he'll put you in a safety zone with your books. You don't have to have these ultra-controversial books in your library and literally you have thousands of books so what harm is it to let go of some of them? And that's all I have to say. Thank you, Miss Brown.
Now this example pertains to Texas. You'll find the same sentence. about what great Christians they are? Great. Do you have people who are supposed to be gatekeepers for children and for student libraries who are handing it to them and purchasing it with our dollars? So repentance is the word that's on my heart. Um, Pastor Mary Cardin could not be here tonight. What she wanted was to plead for communication from you to us so we understand what you're doing and what you're thinking. And also, I know the new policy may have more librarians and independent school district employees on those committees. And I feel like that's already headed in the wrong direction to have too many of them. I think you ought to have people of good moral standards, people in the community that maybe even are voted on, uh, pastors like Paul Duncan, who would never steer you wrong, and who will put you in a safety zone with your books. You don't have to have these ultra-controversial books in your library. And literally, you have thousands of books. So what harm is it to let go of some of them? And that's all I have to say. Thank you, Ms. Brown. And while this example pertains to Texas, you'll find the same sentiment echoed in school board meetings across many schools in Florida. I've been sitting here tonight, and I'm appalled by how many gay people are here. This is not what happened when I went to school. Teachers didn't teach gayism, lesbianism, and whatever-ism it is in this group. Well, teachers are resigning at staggering rates as a result. I'm here to speak on agenda item 231437, approval of personnel recommendations. I was recognized by this county as the district teacher of the year this year, an honor that I am incredibly grateful for. I attended school here in this county since the fourth grade, and I served on that board as a senior in high school. I have never seen such fear from my colleagues as I have seen in the last two months. There are 33 instructional resignations for approval tonight, double the amount at this time last year. And I know for a fact that number will only increase as the summer progresses. These numbers stem not from site-based leaders, not from classroom management issues, these numbers stem from teachers leaving the county, the state, or the profession altogether because of the culture that has been created in this district by certain members of the school board and members of this community. We couldn't recognize student achievements here tonight because of the political climate we're currently in. We have over 100 vacancies right now and more to come. I'd be lying if I didn't say that it was a nightly conversation with my husband about leaving my position. But I stay and I'll continue to stay. I have a son and I will have another soon and they both are my reason to be here tonight. I want my boys to have the same educational care that I had in this county, and that cannot happen if we drive out all of our wonderful teachers. I have former students that are now teachers in our county that happen to be here tonight. I have current students that wanna come back here to teach. I have a school board member walking into campuses to report teachers to the DOE without so much as a conversation is not a great recruiting ta tactic. Thankfully, not everyone is willing to sit back and listen 
to the forced sermons. The books that were to be shared have been accessible at Alpine Crest Elementary for nearly a decade and are logged and online. These books are well known for tackling blended families, adopted families, foster families, or any family that doesn't fit perfectly into a box. All students, families, and educators deserve to be respected and feel valued. I'm extremely disappointed in the way an inclusive Mother's Day lesson was canceled and my kid's librarian has been vilified. I knew there would be pushback from a few loud bullies, but I'm enraged that the administration sided with them. A majority of families have been denied an important lesson in our increasingly diversified world, and a platform was given to a group of fear-mongering extremists. This group claimed that a story about a bear is pushing trans ideology, and a story about a girl feeling left out during Mother's Day is pushing a homosexual agenda. They say this is sexualization of children when they're the only ones that brought sex into it. The only agenda I'm seeing play out is that of Moms for Liberty, a well-funded and connected political group that preys on vulnerable people with manufactured out rage in the guise of protecting children. I am here right now to protect my children from them. I'd have to strongly disagree that this group cares about the safety of all kids. The motivation behind cancellation of a compassionate literacy lesson sends a message to minorities and LGBTQ families that their existence is unacceptable. By shielding your kids from love that looks different than yours, you're turning them into bullies and crippling them from living successfully in a diverse world. I've never seen them them shoveling mulch, putting up swing sets, painting door frames. We're here in the trenches. We're here with these children. This is 2023. I'm a Christian man married to a woman, but I think everyone should be represented fairly. If you want to keep your kids in a closet and just shelter them from everything, homeschool them. Send them to Christian school. This is a public school for everyone. Everyone. I've dealt with that woman. She loves these kids. Instead of backing Mrs. Mickey up, you let the bullies win. When you let the bullies win, they're going to keep bullying. I understand that these adult bullies have intimidated and incited an ungodly amount of hate in our community, but you, HCS leadership and admin, must show them that you have a zero tolerance policy for bullying. When you have a board policy that states you expect all students to treat each other with civility and respect, and then you let grown adults bully one of your educators, and you let them interrupt the education of our students, you're teaching the community that you don't actually mean what I'm extremely concerned for our future if these are the issues that the Florida State government focuses on and you should be too you ever wonder why you don't hear many teachers speaking out on this issue it's because they're scared teacher vacancy has more than doubled since January of 2019 going from 2200 to numbers as high as 5300 could it be because students are getting worse maybe could it be due to the backlash of COVID maybe or could it be because they're scared to they're scared to say anything that will get them fired? Nonetheless, scared to show a Disney movie in class or read a book with a gay character in it, most likely. How are we supposed to get an unbiased education when the teachers are walking on eggshells? To end my point, I'd like to leave you with this. Every person on the school board of the Florida State Government most likely has children or grandchildren, and those kids are going to build our future alongside me. While they may build it, teachers are the ones who mold them to be an active member of society. And I am so scared for the future if our teachers, our mentors, are being silenced. Hey, Midas Mighty. Love this report? Continue the conversation by following us on Instagram, at Midas Touch. Keep up with the most important news of the day. What are you waiting for? Follow us now. An anti-Biden Trump-appointed federal judge in Louisiana strikes again and has issued an overbroad and vague injunction stopping dozens of federal agencies and staffers from making any contact with social ago. media companies in an effort to take misinformation and hate speech down, which apparently Republican attorney generals urge are the things that need protecting under the First Amendment. 
Has the judge properly balanced competing public interests in preventing social media from promoting hate speech and terrorist coordination against legitimate First Amendment protected speech? Or is the new injunction on a fast track to being overturned as unconstitutional and an encroachment on the executive branch's powers? Hail to the chief ringtones at all, Pence at Trump's behest called his old buddy, then Arizona Governor Ducey, to influence the Electoral College certification for Arizona, and it's 11 votes for Biden, where he won by more than 10,000 votes. Was he just checking in during a normal process, as Pence now claims, or was he pressuring governors and secretary of states, like Trump is caught doing on recordings, to overturn the will of the people? Just how far up his neck is Pence's involvement in the coup? I mean, he's positioning himself as a hero of Jan 6, but is he? And speaking of sniveling cowards, George Santos and his counsel received 80,000 pages of documents in a care package from the Department of Justice uh, and asked if they could review it during their summer vacation. And it's update time in the Mar-a-Lago criminal case against Walt Nauta and Trump as they share a private steak date, steak, <laughs> private cheese steak date, sorry everybody. And now Nauta struggles to find his Southern District of Florida counsel for tomorrow's twice postponed arraignment and the federal magistrate signals he is going to unseal more of the redacted search warrant affidavits from last August so the public can see more of the basis for the search warrants. All that and so much more on the midweek edition of Legal AF with your regular co-anchors Michael Popak and Karen Freeman Agnifolo only on the Midas Touch Network. It's going to be a sizzling indictment summer, Karen. I wouldn't want it any other way. How are you? Good. I'm good. I woke up this morning feeling like an indictment's coming soon. I don't know. It just feels like this week, next week, something's going to be happening, whether it's a superseding indictment in Mar-a-Lago, which you guys have been talking about, or other charges related to classified documents, perhaps in New Jersey, or whether it's January 6th. You know, I, I just I sense that we're, we're at that point where it's going to be very soon. Last week, uh, we were on Saturday with Ben. I said, I said I was I was tingling waiting for these things to happen. And then Ben spent the entire rest of the podcast teasing me about my tingling. But it's good to hear that my fellow co-anchor and colleague also has his spider senses and believes what we all believe, which is this is going to be a summer of multiply indicted Donald Trump, not just yeah. one. I mean, he's dying the death of a thousand paper cuts uh -huh. where he's bleeding out on live television the way the indictments are coming. He has an excuse for all of them. None of them are consistent with anything he's ever said in the past or he will say in the future. And that's the problem with his defense. Because he's shape-shifting at rallies and when he's grabbing a cheesesteak with Walt Nauta and when he's got a favorable audience of, you know, hand-picked, paid uh, people for adulation purposes. But in a court movement, you and I both know, as does Ben, that doesn't fly. It's not quite the opposite, and you'll get hanged by your own words. You know there's a whole team. I'm sure you had one when you were the number two at the NDA's office, Gary. There's just a whole team that's just scouring social media for his comments and stringing them together and, and with a comparison chart, right? A timeline, well, I would do it. I'm sure they're doing it. A timeline comparison chart of his comments over time and his trial balloons. You know, Donald Trump's Problems like the one I love about when he got caught on the recording at Bedminster, obviously unfurling a map 
an Iranian war document to show his assembled group of, of bootlickers who are all laughing with him. <laughs> national security, national defense information. Isn't that grand? Uh, that's not, <laughs> no, we don't have security clearances. Bring us a Coke. Who cares? You can hear what he's doing. You hear the rustic. And now he says, no, no, that was plans. That was building plans. That was piles of magazine articles that I have in my office. I wasn't showing NDI, which I would never admit to that. But, he, but that, so that, that is the framework that we're going to cover when we get to our segment about the updates on Mar-a-Lago. But there's been some breaking news that I think you and I should turn to first at the top of the hour, and that is a self-selected, you know, forum-shopping set of Republican attorney generals for, uh, you know, a couple of red meat states found their judge of choice. They've got two of them. They got the guy that sits in Abilene, Texas, um, whenever they want to go after uh, abortion or abortion pills or abortion drugs or anything like that. And they got Judge Dougherty, another Trump appointee, Terry Dougherty, in a little tiny parish, Louisiana, you've probably never been to or heard of, but who has just issued an injunction, a permanent injunction subject to trial against Dozens of federal agencies, of course, all executive branches, all run by Joe Biden and the people under him. You know, everything from the Health and Human Services to the National Infectious Disease to the CDC to the FBI to the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Agency and everybody in the White House that's involved with social media because the judge has found that if the allegations of the plaintiffs are true, that's a pretty big if, if they're true, it's the most massive uh, First Amendment violation, uh, uh, attempt to squash free speech in the history of America. Those are pretty drastic words for a guy whose own um, appellate court, the Fifth Circuit, uh, thought he had gone too far when he was ordering Jen Psaki, Psaki Bomb, to sit for a deposition because it, the, it hadn't been made out. But, you know, he's, this is, he's going all out here seven-page injunction, and it lists, Karen, a whole bunch of things that are so vague and overbroad, I don't know how they could be possibly upheld, even by a Supreme Court who is hot for the First Amendment, and I mean the, uh, the MAGA right wing of the court, based on a recent ruling last week. They love, they love themselves the First Amendment, uh, but I think this, is a, this has gone too far. Because the, the, all of the federal agencies, the entire Biden administration executive branch, effectively, is enjoined, meaning they cannot, they are prevented and precluded from contacting social media companies, that's all of them, from Twitter to Facebook to YouTube, TikTok, and all the rest of them, to, for the purposes of, listen to these words, Karen, urge, encourage, pressure, or induce any type of speech that is on the platform harmful, hateful, or not, with a very limited set of carve-outs. And they're enjoined by name. I mean, they, they're listening to everybody from Mayorkas to whoever the current CDC director is, to Joe, I mean, to Joe Biden, I mean, the whole thing. And they, he, he did one carve-out, this Judge Dougherty. He said that um, they are allowed to go after crime, to have criminal activity taken down, to have national security issues that are being compromised, taken down, but 
find that a protected First Amendment expression not only is hands-off, it's injunction on, don't pick up the phone, don't have the meeting, you'll be violating my injunction. And, um, you know, the quote that we'll try to find, uh, that he says at the end, that if what if, if it is true, if it is true in the in the papers filed by the um, filed by the Republican governor, uh, if it is true, and he's found it is more likely than not the likelihood of success on the merits, which is one of the factors for an injunction, it's in favor of them. If that's all true, it is the the greatest suppression of First Amendment rights ever in the history of our government. Uh, I don't think that's true, and I think he's not balanced properly those competing interests, nor the First Amendment rights of the government to have a dialogue with social media about um, not First Amendment expression. Look, I, I, I may not like what, you know, JFK, uh, the RFK Jr. has to say, but I'll support his right to say it all day long, as long as it doesn't burge into unprotected speech that's not protected by the First Amendment. Go drink Clorox because that will solve your COVID problem. That's not really protected. Uh, opinions about vaccine and the link to uh, autism or don't, you know, he's, he's not a doctor, but he has the right to express his opinion at all. And I will, like the ACLU, I will protect the right of the Nazis to march down the street of a Jewish neighborhood. Not because I like it, but because I think that's exactly where the First Amendment is. But to ban Karen, the government, from having a say in the public marketplace, in the town square, at the soapbox, at all, and abdicate that responsibility, and just give it over to the right-wing crazies to run amok on, on the internet? Because that's where this goes. Talk to me about what, what your reaction was to it, and then where do you think it goes with the Fifth Circuit and this particular U.S. Supreme Court? Yeah, so for me, this was, you know, I, I'm still getting used to the fact that you can so blatantly forum shop like this, and that's what the, your MAGA Republicans do. You know, it's just, just for people who are wondering how that happens and how people, how people can do that, just remember how federal judges are assigned to a case. So how did Donald Trump get Eileen Cannon in Florida? Well, there's, you know, more than a dozen federal judges in that, in that jurisdiction. And they literally spin a wheel, and at random is when you get assigned a judge. And he got lucky there. He got somebody who he appointed and who clearly sympathizes with him. Well, there are certain jurisdictions, and it depends on the size of the jurisdictions, will depend on the number of judges. So, you know, bigger cities like New York City has two, in two different districts, right? We have the Southern District of New York, Eastern District of New York, and each one has dozens of, of judges who you could get when randomly assigned when, when there's a case. But there are some jurisdictions, some areas that are so minuscule and small in this country that there's only one federal judge who sits in that jurisdiction who hears cases uh, that come up in that area. And Trump, when he was president, there were two open seats in jurisdictions such as that. As you said, the, the judge who, who in Texas who ruled on Mifepristone, the abortion pill, was one of those judges. And here is another one, another jurisdiction where there is one judge. So he was guaranteed to get a judge that he appointed in 2017 and who is clearly sympathetic to his causes and will do his bidding for him. 
And so he got two uh, Republican governors to bring a suit in this one jurisdiction, knowing they will get this judge and knowing they'll get this result. It's just this absolutely um, shocking to anyone who hears this. I'm sure people who are listening to this and hear this just are shaking their heads saying, how is that fair? How is that possible? But, you know, we have to remind people just of how that works and how how this is done and why this is done and how this is done in such bad faith. This is absolutely result driven. You're looking for your results. So you're looking for a judge who's going to give your result. And lo and behold, that's what happened here. You know, this this suit related to mostly um, COVID, right? So this was um, this was uh, uh, under the guise of the government was too involved in um, in working with the social media com- companies to limit the false information that got out there on things like vaccines and mandates and and you know and and COVID, right? There's so much misinformation going on during that time, and so and and that that was the basis of the suit, saying you overstepped. You, sh- you know, people should be able to say whatever they want, even if it's you know things like. Um, you know, what you were saying about, you know, whatever, just the, it, it, things about the um, illegitimate, uh, the illegitimacy regarding um, vaccines, etc. So this, you know, it was surprising to me, you know, ha- practically half of this injunction uh, was listing uh, the not only the agencies that can't have contact, right? It's also the individuals in the agencies. I mean, they named names too. I've never seen it like that, something like that. It's like, you know, every single person, you know, it's a, the bar is the entire Department of Health and Human Services, including, you know, Michael Popak, who, you know, whatever, like they listed out many, many people in there. This was a sweeping injunction that didn't just list out the agencies, but also listed the individuals and barred them from meeting with the social media companies for the purposes of urging removal of free speech content. That's what he said. He says, you know, this is all free speech and you can't talk to them about removing it. You can't flag content for them. You can't urge in any matter in any manner that it gets deleted. You can't email, call, text, or have any communication whatsoever for the purpose of this. Um, you can't even collaborate with certain groups for the purpose of removing them. Because in my mind, I would, as I was reading this, I thought, oh, well, the government can just work with certain groups, uh, third-party groups, you know, like um, not-for-profits, etc., advocacy groups, and then they can work with the social media companies. Nope, that can't be done either. You can't act in concert with others who are who are doing this. I mean, it, it was so specific. Um, I think that this has significant First Amendment implications. I don't know how this is going to be upheld. But of course, the Republicans say this is a victory saying, you know, social media sites disproportionately take down right leaning content. And this is in, you know, like collaboration or cahoots with the government. Um, and so, you know, this judge, Terry is it Doughty, Dowdy? There's no R in there, but whatever, however, it's a D-O-U-G-H-T-Y. Um, you know, he issued this injunction, uh, this injunction, I should say. Um, and as you said, you know, that this, the government cannot talk to social media companies for the purpose of, you know, doing anything regarding free speech. It does say, however, that law enforcement, who, by the way, 
law enforcement works with social media companies all the time, right? We, you know, I was involved in these efforts. We would, we would flag child porn. We would flag human trafficking, you know, drug dealing on the, on the, the World Wide Web, you know, the black market, gun sales, you know, um, hate speech, terrorism, all kinds of stuff. You know, we, it's, of course, the government works with social media. I mean, that's absolutely what they do. So he then says, oh, okay, well, I'm going to, I'm going to, um, carve that out you know it's okay to notify them about crimes national security threats voting suppression any foreign <laughs> attempts to influence the elections um but you know he's talks but but his ban is so subjective and so vague right he says you can't have any government can't have any contact with the social media um, companies related to protected free speech well you know what it, it, I feel like it's incredibly um, vague unconstitutionally so um, and so I don't necessarily uh, see this as um, as being upheld by the Fifth Circuit. I do worry about the Supreme Court, though, you know, where it's going to go inevitably, because, you know, as we have seen, they're pretty lawless at this point. So, so it's hard to know uh, what, what the true ramifications of this will be. But I do think it is, it is incredibly, um, incredibly subjective and vague. It doesn't give any guidance to law enforcement at all. And I think people, or not just law enforcement, government agencies, the White House, everybody. So I think people are going to be scratching their heads thinking, you know, what, what are we going to be, you know, how, how do we do this? Right. And I, I just think that this is, this is going to be overturned, but I don't know. Who knows? What do you think? Yeah, I think it's exactly the, what's going to happen. I, I, I think it's 50-50 at the fifth. Depends on the panel, the three-judge panel that they pull. I don't think they'll pull the exact same panel they got before, which who actually um, uh, brushed him back, this judge, thought he had gone too far in ordering people like the people you listed sitting for depositions. But we'll have to see what the, you know, if he gets, uh, you know, we always joke about it being like uh, a one-armed bandit in in, uh, in a casino. You know, if they get Jerry, 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 Trump, 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 or something like that, we'll have to see what the reaction is there. But then at the Supreme Court level, who the heck knows? They were all over the map this term on First Amendment. You know, five days before they came out with 303 Hi. creative little guy. BS Aww. website designer thing. Hi, sweetheart. Fake website designer. Welcome. Uh, case Welcome, in order my dear. for us to declare the First fine. Amendment Trump's public accommodations. And you're allowed to both accept money from the public and also use your First Amendment to say, I don't want to serve LGBTQ plus blacks, Jews, or whatever, because it's against my, it's against, because I have a, a, a good faith belief that. I shouldn't have to do that, be forced to use my speech, my First Amendment expression, in, in, uh, you know, on behalf of them. So that's 303 Creative. Five days earlier, they really limited the First Amendment or uh, about um, the use of it in stalking cases. So they're a little bit over the map. I don't know what this six to three, you know, Gorsuch again on First Amendment probably would rule about whether this judge's particular injunction based on the record that was before him. Because let's just do a little tutorial on that. The injunction is an equitable proceeding that happens before the case goes to trial at a preliminary phase. Sometimes we call it a temporary restraining order, a temporary injunction, or a preliminary injunction, or permanent injunction until trial. 
they're all basically the same thing. They're the factors that you have to uh, prove for each changes a bit, and the burden of proof changes a bit. But here he said, oh no, on the record already established, the emails that I've seen of the public uh, attorney generals have supplied to me. You know, I think this is the, uh, the greatest suppression by the government of First Amendment rights in the history of the world. And, uh, and then he issued this seven-page order. But I don't think, I think there's a mismatch between what I've seen in the evidence, in the briefing, and in the eventual order. There's a, actually a memorandum of law that supports this order that I've reviewed. Um, I think he's wrong, and I think his order is both overbroad. If he wants to accomplish what he wanted to accomplish, he should have done it on a narrower set of injunctions, narrower group of people. And, and this whole thing about urging, you know, uh, uh, pressuring, inducing, you know, and then the few carve-outs is also vague. Because he, he, he triggers, this judge triggers a lot of his order, drives a lot of his order by saying, well, if it's protected First Amendment speech, but if it's not a protected First Amendment speech, then you're okay. But I mean, how, do you, how do you run a government? You know, to paraphrase Casey Stengel, that's no way to run a baseball team. How are you supposed to run a government that? Well, what is protected? What isn't protected? You're leaving that to me to decide before I run afoul of your injunction? So I think the injunction, the way it's written, which I don't know who did this, the judge, his clerks, if this is just a draft from the attorney general that he just happily signed. But um, we're going to have to see. It's going to go up to the Supremes at some point, depending upon what the fifth does. You know, the Republicans are all touting it as, you know, it's a great day in America on 4th of July, uh -huh. you know, that we can well, have what, do you, what do you think about that, actually? Because I was like, I had to dive in a double take, because courts are closed on the 4th of July. So, yeah, well, no, I thought they were sending a message, right? He saved this for the 4th of July, don't you think? Of course, because I've gotten orders from federal judges on weird, like on Sunday night I'll get an order because they're open and they call their clerks and they post it on the docket. Yeah, no, that was an FU to the Biden administration. Exactly. time. We, we didn't talk about this judge at the top, but this judge is also the one that eliminated and, and issued it in, uh, I said worldwide, a, a, a United States-wide about where are the one and where are the two judge uh, venues and where are the three judge venues. And let's try to get, in, get our people in there first because those are the ones we're going to go to for nationwide injunctions. And we're seeing, you know, the fruit of those those really terrible, um, uh, that terrible conduct by the Federalist Society led by Trump, uh, seeing it here in cases just like this one. Um, Karen, anything else on this particular segment before we talk a little bit about the next one? No. <laughs> right, right. We've taken care of, <laughs> taken care of that one. Well, we're gonna we're gonna talk next about. Um, Yours, mine, it just bugs me. It just upsets me when you <laughs> talk about it like that. I get so agitated. Yeah. I just can't believe yeah. that our country works that way. That you can have these single judge in a single place, you know, places that can have nationwide impact. Like it just right. every time you have to ask yourself, you know, how is that possible? How can they do a nationwide injunction on yeah. something, right? Yeah. But because it's because they enjoin, you know, the president. Right. The, White the, government, the government, the government, executive, right. and, they, and they have another problem we didn't really talk about. Separation the, of powers. They have a separation of powers problem. I was going to ask you about that. Yeah. Yeah, because this is the executive branch, which within its sphere is is a co-equal branch of government that's not supposed to be challenged about what it does 
whether it be through social media, reg why don't we just regulate what our what the White House press office does? Well, the White House press office, you can't hold press conferences either. You can't you can't place articles. You can't co collaborate because he even said collaborate with um, with anything. You can't because because yeah. it be, but that it, they have their own First Amendment rights. First, and they have their own. Right. I was just right. going to say, if you're all about the First Amendment, what about their First Amendment rights? So what about the gonna... White House press secretary's First Amendment right to talk to social media companies, right? Like, maybe the injunction has to be on social media companies. Like, maybe he can, not that he should, but maybe that is, but how does he get to say, you know, no. Right, exactly. It's <laughs> the just, problem it's, is he doesn't, yeah. you know? And, and so the separation of powers is, just for those that follow us from around the world, or haven't really thought about separation of powers in a long, long time, you know, you've got the three branches of government. They are co-equal, and within their own sphere, they are they reign supreme. And when one branch, the judiciary, tries to use the Constitution to argue that they've exceeded their powers, how could you exceed your powers talking to social media to get your message, to get your message out? Yeah. Uh, and gagging them while all the crazies go meet on social media and use it for, you know, terrorism and criminal things and hate crimes and everything else and misinformation and transgender attacks and that kind of thing. Well, we're going to, we're going to continue to follow this on, on us only. I think we do and we can on legal AF. And, and then the other question is, as you were saying before, as we were, as we were saying is if like say, uh, somebody said in the Biden administration says, oh, I don't think that is protected speech, right? I don't think that's First Amendment free speech. So I'm going to talk to the social media company. And then somebody else is going to come along and say, no, you were wrong. Who's going to be the umpire for that? For this, you know, it just makes no sense. The way this is written, I, I think it's unconstitutionally vague. I think there's a First Amendment issue that we're trying to, he's trying to restrict the First Amendment rights of all of the individuals who he has now enjoined. And I think it's also just way too subjective. So I, I just don't think that this, I don't think this can stand the way it's written. So we'll follow that closely. Okay. And, because, uh, uh, coming up next. Republicans are so fucking incompetent. They can't even We're write. We're going to cover George Santos's appearance in court. Decisions. The government telling him that that's, he's got 80,000 pages of evidence to go lining. through. <coughs> and George and his lawyer fascism. asking for the summer recess Silver to go through lining. all those documents. We'll, we'll do all of that next. But first, a word from one of Midas Touch Network sponsors. Did you know that the best tasting oh, yeah. honey on planet comes from New Zealand? It's called Manuka honey. Yeah. Manukura. And Moink, too. Get his bank uh, records to see what he deposits oh, and his paycheck moink. and how he gets it. And, you know, there's just, there's. And um, they, he seemed to be kind of nonplussed by it all. I would have been shocked by that number given the amount. Talk to, talk to our audience from the federal, from a, sorry, from the prosecutor's standpoint what that volume means, put it in context, to me, and I've been involved with this, you know, I thought the number was quite high, given given the, the count here, but from your perspective, it may not be. Give, give our audience a perspective of, you know, how many, what goes into a criminal investigation, and why there would be such a volume of material avail, av available at the outset that is turned over to the defense. Yeah, so when you're doing a, an investigate, a criminal investigation, you, you don't necessarily know what is going to lead to charges and what's going to show criminal activity. So you cast a wide net and you start, especially with someone like George Santos, you know, the fact that this was only a 13 count indictment 
was surprising to some people because his entire life, his entire existence, everything he does is a lie and a fraud and potentially criminal. And so I am sure when uh, the Department of Justice, the Eastern District, uh, United States United States Attorney's Office was doing an investigation into George Santos. They were looking, there's so much you could look for, right? There's so much you could investigate. You know, every single thing on his resume, every speech he gave that talked about, you know, things like my grandmother's a you know, a Holocaust survivor, a Jew, or, you know, the fact that he, one of the charges was that he stole money, um, unemployment benefits from people who should actually get unemployment benefits by lying about whether or not he held a certain job. So how do you how do you investigate that crime? Well, first you have to investigate, did he actually have a job or not? How do you do that? You, whatever he said his job, what, you know, whatever he, he you know his job was, you get his employment records, you get his bank uh, records to see what he deposits and his paycheck and how he gets it and you know there's just there's so many documents and paperwork that you need to get for every single thing and you get emails you you look in their phone and you know look every email could be a page right it's a page of of um of you know discovery material and and so you have to turn that all over and, and in this day and age eighty thousand documents it, it is a lot but it's not crazy numbers i mean we have you know there, there are cases with millions of documents with terabytes <laughs> like worth of, of um discovery that needs to be How gone through and there are ways that Trump. defense attorneys go through it and prosecutors go through and it what you know about there's, there's what you do is you, you put it into a, um, a disc like a different a discovery platform is what they call them you know it's a way to to ingest the information and, and put it in a way that's organized and and you can do word searches or you can many times uh what the government will do is they will point to the things that are going to be related to the charges directly but uh but defense attorneys want more right they're going to be like these are the documents you think are related to it but i'm going to talk about all the other documents that show i'm innocent right so they there's a lot that ha they have to go through. It's not just the things that are directly related to the charges in a particular indictment. When you're a defense attorney doing, if you're a good one doing your job, you're going to look at as much of that as you possibly can because you're building your own case to show why you're innocent, right? Or if you can't do that because you, you build, you, you do what you can to poke holes in the government's case, right? If you if you can't um, legitimately assert that you are innocent or that it didn't happen or whatever, you then look at ways you look at the weaknesses in the government's case and you again do that through all the other materials so so it's not really that the law doesn't allow the government to make a decision about what's relevant or not that's really up to the defense attorney to decide what's relevant it's really anything related to a particular case a particular charge um, you know, in a particular defendant, as well as what you said, Brady, which is specific things that tend to show, that tend to exculpate you or show that you might be innocent. Um, those are those things as well have to be turned over as part of discovery. So, you know, look, 80,000, it is a lot, but it's not 
a crazy amount. And I think the reason um, they asked for not that much time to go through it, actually, they asked until September to set a motion schedule uh, because they really, they, they're acknowledging that this isn't, you know, they don't need like a year to go through this discovery, right? And so at, in September, they're then going to talk about, you know, motion and you know, schedule uh, and deadlines, trial date, etc. You know, but the, the one thing I do want to um, point out is, well, two things. Number one, um, I noticed when I was doing research for this, right, for this, for our podcast, I was kind of reading stuff on this. And I saw that Santos is out there defending Trump and going after DeSantis pretty hard, you know, and he's squarely putting himself in the Trump camp. And what struck me there is he knows he's going to get convicted. And I think that's, he's, he's angling for a pardon. He's hoping that in his mind, you know, he's, um, Trump's going to win, or at least has the best chance of winning the Republican nomination and maybe the, um, and maybe the presidency. So I want to, I want to angle for a pardon. So he's, he's leaning hard in that. And that's part of his oh defense, God. if you will, like because how do you defend an entire an life, an entire lie that's, you know, your, his whole life is Trump a complete wins lie. Jail and he the other thing that, that I wanted to just point out about this particular <laughs> indictment that, that well struck done, me is, well is, Here's an idea for somebody. Here's a free, brilliant idea. George Sam makes George Santos his vice president, and um, this is fucking possible, man. You know, if he wins, this is it's gonna be a fucking madhouse. If. Diaper Donalds. The worst fucking criminal in Diaper Donalds. Diaper Don, Diaper Donalds. Worst criminal in human history. Wins from jail. <laughs> And George, and makes George Santos his VP. <laughs> mm.
and they hang my they hang my pants. They hang my pants. <laughs> Fucking doggy dog world. Politics is doggy dog world. <laughs> Literally doggy dog. They hang Nancy Pelosi and my um and uh, Speaker Pelosi. My my pen. They hang pants and Pelosi. <laughs> it's doggy dog. <clears throat> Here's free, free, brilliant idea. Of, uh, okay. Relentlessly dystopian planet. Diaper Donald's. Diaper Donald's plot, okay. Here's free, brilliant idea. Go ahead and fucking steal it. Relentlessly dystopian genre. <laughs> Plot. Diaper Donald's worst. Criminal and human in history wins from jail. From jail. Wins from jail and makes George Santo his vice president. <laughs> his VP. George the vice president. And how much you want to bet? I bet you anything he would play it and <laughs> be happy to either, like fucking jizz over this idea. Moral. Some fucking moral. Moral. Some fucking moral to my stories. literally make our lives hell. Liter literally, um, make hell on earth. Because he's the fucking antichrist. Earth 
hell on oops, hell on earth to make hell on earth and uh, it's a fucking antichrist. Trump is the Antichrist. Fucking Antichrist. Uh, here's free brilliant um, film idea. Makes George Santo his VP. <laughs> like, finale, they hang Pence and Pelosi. Moral. Disqualify him now. Moral. Moral. Or he make... Or he makes hell on the earth because he is fucking antichrist. Here's free. Okay. I don't need to get this. I need free. Free. Brilliant film idea. Go ahead. Steal it. Run with it. But Diaper Donald, worst criminal in history, wins from uh, jail. Fucking Antichrist. Which one should I use him as a fucking Nazi? Genre relentlessly dystopian plot. Diaper Donald, worst criminal in history, wins from jail, makes George Santos his VP. <laughs> Finale, they hang Pence and Pelosi. <laughs> Moral, disqualify now. He makes hell on earth because he's the fucking antichrist.
Hashtag Trump is the Antichrist. It's the name of my new film. Name of my new film. Trump is the anti-Christ. <laughs> Wonder if I'll get like hacked or whatever. Mm. Hollywood. Hollywood improv. Netflix. Democrats. Yeah, sure, why not, right? Um, Occupy Democrats. How about Khan Film Festival? This Hollywood thing is. Instead, I'm gonna put. Well, I should probably like Minus Touch. Because Ben does movies, Minus Touch. Um, <laughs> they fucking hang Pence and Pelosi, that's what they do, the first thing they do, make that go, <laughs> and they fucking win, because they steal it again, ah, oh, that's fucking beautiful, yeah, because <laughs> we didn't fucking bought, you know, the electoral college, and, um, we didn't hold them account. So they they fucking succeeded the second time. So it's kind of a bummer, <laughs> but it's I think it's realistic. How do we add another? How did I add a tweet for? Um, search locations. Tag location. Hmm. Um, makes hell on earth because he's fucking antichrist. Uh, challenge. Yeah. Challenge. 
Twitter challenge qualify now. You make nerds cutting down towards neck. Okay. Uh, go ahead. Make a TikTok. Stand up for your rights. 